Welcome to OCDQ Radio, a podcast from OCDQ Blog. Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQ Radio is a vendor neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines, including data governance, master data management, and business intelligence. OCDQ Radio is produced and hosted by Jim Harris, the blogger in chief at Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality. OCDQBlog.com. You can now hear OCDQ Radio on your mobile device with Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher is an award-winning and free news and talk mobile app available for your iPhone, iPad, Android phones and tablets, as well as BlackBerry and WebOS devices. To get Stitcher Smart Radio, visit your app store or go to stitcher.com forward slash OCDQ. Enter promo code OCDQ, and the latest episode of OCDQ Radio will be waiting for you in your favorites. You'll also get free access to lots of other amazing shows, too, which are always available to you for free, on demand, with no files to download and no syncing. Data Privacy and Data Protection Social and Cloud Technologies are enabling us to live more of our lives and conduct more of our business online, where our personal and professional lives are melding together with our digital selves and our data. This is raising increasing concerns about data privacy and data protection. This topic was included as one of the segments in the OCDQ Radio 2011 Year in Review episode back in December. But because of the importance of the topic, I've decided to air a slightly edited version of that segment with some new commentary by me. Joining me in this discussion about saving private data is a gentleman who deserves to be called a general when it comes to data privacy and data protection. Please welcome my special guest. My name is Darrell O'Brien. I am the Managing Director of Castlebridge Associates. We are a specialist information strategy, consulting and training company based in Ireland. And we specialize in data protection and privacy particularly in the context of EU regulations, and information quality and data governance. The near ubiquity of cloud and social technologies has brought to the forefront the challenges inherent with the privacy and protection of our data. So Dara, can you get us started with your definition for the term data protection? We use the term data protection in the European context, which is the entire gamut of obtaining fairly, processing with consent for clear purposes. So we can talk about privacy or protection, I'll use the terms interchangeably. There seems to be an awful lot more interest being driven in part by the rise of the social networks like Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google+. I don't want to pick on Facebook, but they are a great poster child for the social aspects of data privacy. For example, Facebook doesn't truly have customers in the sense that we would typically think of. A user of Facebook is not paying Facebook for a service. So they're getting free access to a social network. And although they have the changing Facebook privacy policy to ignore when they say they accept it, they freely share a lot of their personal information. And what really should be the reasonable expectation of privacy and protection from a company that you're not paying to use the service of? The availing of the services for free involves an exchange of personal data, and this is part of the deal that you make with Facebook when you start using their services. But if that deal is being changed unilaterally on a regular basis, 
or if that deal is not sufficiently clear, well, then it becomes very difficult under EU principles in particular, where there is the requirement to fairly obtain data for specific lawful purposes to actually stand over the legality and ethics of what you're doing. And as a consumer, the expectation is that you as an individual will not be surprised by the use to which your data is put. And if you're surprised, well, then that's obviously a gap in your statement of what you were going to be using the data for. Essentially, it's a bit like the Lion King, Jim. It's the circle of life, but more accurately, the circle of trust. We are giving data on trust to entities like Facebook, and we are trusting them to be open with us about how they're going to use that data. The key focus there is to ensure that Facebook aren't obscuring either through intent or through carelessness or simple lack of forethought what they are doing with the information that's been provided to them by the people who are, at the end of the day, their product. Because if you're not paying for it, you're the product. And that's why, again, I don't mean to pick on, on Facebook and similar mm. services, but there's a voluntary action involved on the part of a Facebook user that's very different. I mean, later we can get into the cloud space where mm. when I'm actually paying for a product or service and I'm actually acquired to provide that company, which I'm entering into a relationship as a customer with, certain amounts of information in order to be, get access to their product or service. There's mm -hmm. no such obligation with Facebook. I'm not obligated. There's a very minimal amount of information that I have to provide to create a Facebook profile. All of the additional information that I give about myself, I'm freely giving under no obligation. So sometimes it's a little confusing for me to see who's really responsible for privacy. I mean, if you're willing to mm -hmm. tell Facebook every last little sordid detail about your life, is it really Facebook's fault? If something bad happens because of that? It's the, the classic example is standing on the steps of your, your public library, sharing the details of your, your weekend interactions in the nightclub so for everyone to hear. There is the balance to be struck. Privacy and protection is not about locking down what organizations can do. It's about requiring an organization to think about what they're trying to do, think about what their objective is, and seeking to achieve that objective in a way that strikes a balance and strikes a fair deal between the objective of the organization and the right to privacy of the individual. If the individual chooses to publish all this information, and if this individual chooses to leave their privacy settings at very low default levels or to make content widely available through the network intentionally, well, then Facebook isn't really, or the, the service provider, isn't really responsible because they're providing a platform and they're providing clear guidance. The issue that kind of arose with Facebook was it became very difficult for the individual to know at any point in time how much of the information they were actually putting up was being spread further than they intended it to go because of the changes that were being made. Increase that the level of transparency so that if someone wants to publish absolutely everything about themselves on Facebook, when a bad thing happens, it can be clearly shown that they have been made aware of what was going to happen. The other aspect of it is that a lot of these platforms, again, when we start talking about big data, a social networking platform is the ultimate big data environment when you start tracking interactions between people. So I think that analytical capability, the ability to derive and infer data, also needs to be built into the deal and built into the transparency. And again, I've done some work with clients where we've been trying to figure out how to strike that balance to ensure the optimum quality of information while at the same time the 
clarity of, of the deal and the transparency of what, what the inter- interaction actually is. Definitely agree. I mean, big data brings with it almost the possible end of anonymity. And again, from the consumer perspective of a social service, I think we can enforce some of our own controls if we're the ones who are freely giving away our own personal information. You're listening to OCDQ Radio, a vendor-neutral podcast about data quality and its related disciplines from the Obsessive Compulsive Data Quality blog produced by Jim Harris. Visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast to find ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio and get links to the blog post summaries of every episode. You'll also find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, if you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you would like to discuss sponsorship opportunities. So be sure to visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast for more information about OCDQ Radio. And now, back to the show. On this episode of OCDQ Radio, we are discussing data protection and data privacy with one of the leading experts in this field, Dara O'Brien, the Managing Director of Castlebridge Associates. Dara, I'd like to take a look at more of the cloud-oriented business aspect, because this is where we have situations where, again, where I don't really have a choice in terms of the amount of personal information, maybe financially sensitive information that I have to turn over to a company that I'm paying for their product or service. And then in terms of the transparency, I may be completely unaware that they decided to put my data in the cloud and make it susceptible to a data security breach. So in that case, is there a different level of of expectation of protection when you're in a more of a cloud pay for service orientation as opposed to a social orientation? I think from a, a data protection privacy point of view, the key differentiator is whether you are a corporate entity or an individual. Individuals have rights and are protected, and their privacy should be re- protected. It's a, it's a fundamental human right under the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. For a company, the obligation on you is if you are buying a cloud service or using a cloud service as part of your operation, and we all do, I do, because it just doesn't make economic sense not to, you have to take the step to inform yourself of what the levels of security and obligation are. One of the key t- things is understanding where in the world your data actually is sitting, particularly in the context of European Union data protection regulations. One of my pet peeves about cloud security discussions, like a lot of people mm. who are anti-cloud bring up a lot of cloud security breaches, but one of my fundamental problems is that regardless of, of where of the implementation strategy or, or where you're going to be implementing your solution, your data needs to be secured wherever it is, however yep. it is accessed, and with the appropriate levels of control over who can access what. I think one of the problems is that a lot of companies, especially very small companies, choose cloud computing based on cost savings and convenience alone mm-hmm. and don't ever perform a security assessment. And I don't think that that's a fundamental flaw of cloud computing. I think that's simply a bad business decision. And I don't really like it when people blame the cloud for security when they're actually saying that they're not concerned about security by not even including that in the assessment of the service that they're trying to buy from the cloud. So again, is it really, who's really at fault for cloud security breaches? I mean, there are some examples of cloud providers not securing data at all. But there are other examples where people don't even seem to assess security and privacy as part of the cloud solution. They just mm-hmm. see the low price tag and say, hey, that's the solution for me. 
Well, under EU law, the entity that is responsible in the instance of a breach is the data controller. So if my company is gathering personal data about people, irrespective of the mechanism by which that data is being stored or the location where that data is being stored, the responsibility rests on my company to make sure that that data has been stored safely and securely and has been processed in the correct way. Cloud is, like, I would actually argue cloud is in many cases more secure because if you're a cloud service provider, you're putting yourself in the business of keeping people's data safe and secure. And from an economics point of view, from an economic value proposition point of view, for me as a small business owner to meet this sort of security standards that, for example, Microsoft have on their Office 365 platform, it would cost me significantly more than it's costing me per month to have Office 365. Therefore, what I have done is I've taken a due diligence study of the various providers that are out there and I've opted for a particular provider. The responsibility is ultimately on the individual purchaser to make sure that they have done the necessary checks, just like if you're buying a second-hand car or a brand new car, or if you are getting someone to paint your house, you seek references, you do checking, etc. Just because someone works for cheap doesn't mean you're not going to interview them before you offer them a job. I would agree. I think challenges around some of the public cloud providers, and this is starting to go away as the cloud computing movement is gaining more momentum and it's actually become more of a reality. But in, in the early days of cloud computing, there were some public cloud providers that were very non-transparent about the security procedures that they had in place, almost using as a scapegoat excuse that, well, if we tell you too much about how we secure your data, then your data won't be secure because you'll know too much about our security practices. And therefore, there hasn't been a lot of information, again, going back into the earlier days of cloud, of allowing someone to properly assess which cloud provider had a more secure solution. Yes, there are solutions to that in terms of ways in which consumers or small business purchasers evaluate cloud providers objectively. The Cloud Security Alliance, for example, has issued guidelines on cloud security standards, which help make this more transparent. And I see that in the coming years, we will very soon see something like the energy rating label you have on your refrigerator being applied to the cloud. The basis of this is in place of cloudsecurityalliance.org. There's a lot of detail there in terms of the security standards and certificate of cloud security knowledge, etc., that are out there now to try and take away some of the, the FUD that was out there and to try and increase the levels of transparency that are out there to make sure that there's clear best practices being applied to the provision of cloud security standards. And again, they're having input into government policy making and government strategies around the world in terms of cloud. I would agree with you completely, Jim, that in the early days, there was an element of, we're keeping your data secret, but we can't tell you how because it's a secret, which is a wonderfully recursive approach to it. But now we're seeing security, almost going to the point of security by transparency, saying this is how we are going about doing it. We're not going to give you the detail of what's done, but here's the standards, here's the framework we're following, and now you can trust us because we're actually feeding back into the circle of trust by giving you a little bit of information about us so you can trust us better. Well, Dara, this has been an excellent discussion about an important topic that is being discussed by more and more organizations these days. In closing, can you share your viewpoint on some key challenges and opportunities organizations will be facing in regards to data protection and data privacy? The first challenge and opportunity, because it is a bit of both, is that 
data privacy and data protection is going to increasingly be seen not as a separate thing that must be done, but as a significant component of data governance and information quality. And we're going to see that sort of maturity of thinking moving up in organizations who, as a result of the pragmatic reason that they don't have the resources to have three or four separate teams working on things, you will find a convergence of the data governance, enterprise information management, and data protection teams together. And in the context of big data, there's the big challenge. Because the, the more big data we have and the more focused we are on trying to improve the quality of that big data, the more we need to be very, very clear what it is we are seeking to do with that data. Because as we gather it all in, unless we have set forth a clear statement of expectation to our consumers about what it is that may or may not be done with their data and give them the opportunity to opt themselves out of that or to have their data anonymized, it will become very, very difficult to actually operate big data safely. The analogy I would draw with big data is it's very like the gold rush. It's very like the oil rushes of the early 20th century. Yes, there's wonderful economic potential and economic benefit there. But if it isn't handled correctly, with clear attention to the existing and evolving legal and regulatory frameworks that are there, we will wind up with a data pollution mess. With the unrelenting trends of social cloud and big data, data protection and data privacy is fraught with both challenges and opportunities. Which is why we've been so thrilled to be talking with an expert in these matters, Dara O'Brien, the Managing Director of Castlebridge Associates. You can find out more about the services provided by Castlebridge Associates on their website at castlebridge.ie. Dara, thank you very much for taking your time to talk with us today. You're more than welcome, Jim. Thank you for listening to OCDQ Radio. Go to ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast, where you can find links to the blog post summaries of every episode, ways to subscribe to OCDQ Radio via iTunes and a non-iTunes RSS feed, and a link to listen to OCDQ Radio on your mobile device with Stitcher Smart Radio. And you will find ways to contact me, Jim Harris, via Twitter, LinkedIn, and email. So be sure to visit ocdqblog.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening to OCDQ Radio. And until next time, may the data quality be with you, always.